Hello and welcome to the Podball Sportscast. The podcast has never won golden balls. Ours are just bronze. <laughs> <laughs> If you know what I mean. <laughs> Risky, aren't we today? Uh, today um, is just the two of us. The two of us, I mean Mr. Nicholas John. Hello, hello. Whose head is shaped like a ball. And I am Faisal American. Uh, Mifzal Male isn't here today. Uh, he is off on assignment in the UK. No, actually, I have no idea where he is. He's run out on us. Uh, today, we're going to start with uh, Lionel Messi and his latest Ballon d'Or prize. He won it ahead of Erling Haaland and uh, Kylian Mbappe. Now, um, apparently, uh, Messi won it for a record extending eighth time. Three more than Cristiano Ronaldo. I guess it goes without saying that this is very divisive um, among fans and observers of the game. On the one hand, you got people like Mbappe who said that Messi deserved it by virtue of him winning the French league title with then-club PSG and, of course, the key role that he played in Argentina's World Cup victory. On the other hand, you've got people like German legend Lothar Matthäus, a golden ball winner himself, who said it should have gone to Haaland, who broke all sorts of records while helping a Man City win the treble. Uh, Nick, I want your input on this. Whose side are you on? I am, am leaning towards uh, Matthias. You know, uh, look, I, I don't think anyone was surprised that Messi got it because he did win the World Cup after all. And that seems to be the standard, you know, at, at least to me, like that if you win the World Cup, that trumps any other achievement. Mm. You know, I, I don't think it's fair, but it, it's how it seems to be. Uh, and, and something similar happened with Fabio Cannavaro, I think, back in uh, 2006 mm-hmm. as well. Uh, look, the problem is... That it, it looks like the voting panel tends to prioritize singular achievements over consistently good performances mm-hmm. over the course of a season. Because when you think about it, yes, winning the World Cup is a big deal. Okay, mm-hmm. there's there's no denying that. But other than that, Messi had a pretty mediocre campaign at at club level, mm-hmm. right? And um, when you compare that to Haaland, who's got 50 plus goals across all competitions, and he won the EPL, FA Cup and Champions League titles mm-hmm. with City, he had easily the best campaign of any club player last season, mm-hmm. right? So while based on form, it, it just should have been Haaland, we all know that football writers and, and football pundits and all have this love affair with Messi. Mm-hmm. So, you know, no surprises that he won. I guess this is why I don't think anybody actually takes the Ballon d'Or that seriously, you know what I mean? Yeah, because because there, there, there's an issue. It, it appears to have an issue with you know impartiality and, mm, and fairness. Bias. I mean, yeah. and, and it's not like the uh, FIFA Player of the Year awards where they're voted by their peers. Yeah, you know what I mean. Correct. Right. Um, fuck, I was going to say something else, but <laughs> what was it? <laughs> anyway, yeah. As for myself, you know, based on what I suggest now, I don't actually care. Either way, it's just an overrated prize given by a bloody magazine, and it seems like Messi doesn't care much either, or at least he stopped caring once he knew that Ronaldo would never catch up with him. <laughs> once he beat Ronaldo, yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing is for sure, though, I'd be very surprised if Messi wins it next year. My money is on either Haaland or maybe Jude Bellingham. He's on fire. And oh no, okay, it's interesting that you mentioned. Uh, this because I, I was talking about this whole Ballon d'Or thing with a colleague, and 
His theory is that Haaland missed out this year because he is a, a relative newcomer. Mm. Because when you think about it, uh, he, he was at Dortmund before this, right? So this is his first... And he didn't have a World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> this is his first season with a really big club in a really big league. Mm-hmm. So to give him the Ballon d'Or uh, award so early on, some people may have a problem with that. Some may feel that maybe he hasn't, you know, earned his dues yet. Mm-hmm. You know, he's still like a, a young and, young and mm-hmm. you know, co- compared to, to Messi. But I think next season, if Haaland can keep up his form, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. He will definitely be one of the favourites. Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned age. How old is Haaland now? He's barely in his 20s, right? Yeah. Okay, anyway, um, so... I just opened Google here because that's how we prepare shit, right? <laughs> We never do any research. The four youngest ever Ballon d'Or winners were George Best at 22 years, 7 months, 2 days. Messi at 22 years, 5 months, 7 days. Number two, uh, you know who is? Who? Michael Owen. Ah. 22 years, 4 days. That was in 2001. And the youngest ever, Ronaldo Nazario. At 21 years, three months, and five uh, five days. So, so Haaland, if he does win it, he could he could get it next year. Yeah, and it it wouldn't be unprecedented. Exactly, which is what's going to happen to the US in the next election. <laughs> unprecedented, <laughs> and a new one will be selected. Yeah. Okay, now that the Ballon d'Or is over with, let's have a recap of last weekend's Premier League games. Manchester United lost 3-0 to Man City. United brought back down to earth after posting three straight wins in all competitions against Brentford, Sheffield United and Copenhagen. Even Harry Maguire was starting to look like a decent player. Looks can be deceiving. Player of the match, you know. (laughs) And he cried when he got the prize. (laughs) Um, and then uh, City came and ruined uh, that narrative. Lah. Uh, look, I, I know they won three on the trot, but I have not been convinced with uh, United's performances. I think all three wins that you mentioned easy in, opposition. involved, well, okay, yes, e- easier, relatively easy opposition, number one. But number two, it also involved quite a, a, significant, a, bit of, a significant amount of luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, the team, I, I think, has been uninspired. I don't think Ten Hag has fixed a lot of the problems that have been plaguing them since the start of the season. Uh, and, and of late, a lot of the senior players like uh, Casemiro and Bruno Fernandes have not been pulling their own weight. Uh, I, I don't think. And, and this is something that has been echoed uh, by Roy Keane and some of the other ex-United yeah. uh, players uh, as well. Um uh, I saw this article, Roy Keane was saying that Bruno should be stripped of the captaincy because he moans too much. And, and is that a guy who moans too much too about much. Bruno? <laughs> <laughs> but okay, you, you talk about Bruno's ca- captaincy. This is something that we talked about in one of our earlier mm. shows as well, right? We were saying how we, we were questioning whether he has the right credentials to be captain or not. Uh, but yeah, you know, they, they, these are all issues that, that United are facing. Mm. So it, it's no surprise to me that City won. I also wasn't surprised that City won so easily, mm. you know. And and unfortunately for United, it, it it's starting to look like that that gulf in quality between you know the red and blue half. You know, it seems mm. to be widening every season. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, going back to the Bruno's uh, question again, right? If they decide to follow Kino and strip him, strip of, the him of the captaincy, who would he give it to? Yeah, I have no idea. 
Good. Will he be better off giving it back to Maguire? Would Casemiro do the job? Okay, giving it to Maguire would involve having Maguire back in the first team, <laughs> and I think he's he, he's at that stage now where yeah he's he's doing okay for now. I mean, so. There are non-playing captains. Huh? Well, yes, but. Uh, it, that's another one of the problems for United. I think they they lack players who who have that that leadership quality. Mm. You know that that, and again, like what we said in the last show, yeah, you know, someone who can school Premier League leaders grab the game by the scruff of the neck and grab the players by the scruff uh-huh. of the neck as well. <laughs> someone who can rally the troops, and I honestly don't see who who that player is mm. in the team right now. That result leaves United in 8th place. Back to, uh, let's move on to less depressing results for you. Tottenham had a 2-1 win over Crystal Palace to top the standings. Uh, Still unbeaten. And even ex-Arsenal boss Arsene Wenger said that Spurs are now serious title contenders. Yeah, and and it's what we have been alluding to in in our earlier shows as well, right? And and I think... I think the both of us are rooting for Spurs to do well, especially under Postecoglou. Um, and I think that the longer the season goes on, the more they're starting to look like genuine title contenders. Mm. And I know a lot of people are going like, oh, no, lie, it's still too early lie, and all that. But mm. I think these people just don't want to jinx it for Spurs. Mm. But deep down, I, I'm, I'm quite confident that they are silently hoping that this season could be it for Tottenham. I mean, they have been in this situation in the past. Um, they were considered title contenders and then everything comes crashing down. That's the problem with Spurs, right? I mean, it, it's what we call, you know, being Spursy, <laughs> where you're doing well at the beginning of the season only to sort of like for everything to go downhill in the second half. Um, but I, I don't know. There's something about them, a kind of energy optimism and, and, and just the style that they are playing in the Postacoglu this season, it seems different. And I, I touch wood line, I really don't mm. want to jinx it for them, but it, it seems different this time. Spurs are two points ahead of Arsenal and uh, City. Um, this as the Gunners had a 3-0 win over Sheffield United. Liverpool and their sexy new midfield are in fourth place after beating Nottingham Forest. 3-0. In 5th place are Aston Villa, who had a 3-1 win over Luton. 6th place, Newcastle drew 2 all with Wolves. Brighton and Fulham had a 1-0 draw. In ninth place are West Ham, who had a 1-0 loss to uh, Everton. And a result that surely should have resulted in David Moyes getting sacked. <laughs> if you can't beat Everton, what good are you? Also, Brentford beat Chelsea 2-0. Bournemouth beat Burnley 2-1. Now, the other big news this week is Saudi Arabia seemingly winning the bid to host the World Cup in 2034. Uh, This was semi-confirmed by FIFA President Gianni Infantino on Instagram after Australia said that uh, it's not interested in launching a rival bid. Uh, One thing is certain for sure, though. It is going to disrupt the European football schedule again, like uh, during Qatar. Expect another Winter World Cup to avoid Saudi's 50-plus degree summer heat. Yeah. Um, Look, there are two ways of of seeing this. On on the one hand, aside from all the scheduling and human rights issues and all that, the Qatar World Cup was, by and large, a success. You know, and, and, and there's, there's no reason why a tournament in Saudi Arabia wouldn't work in terms of the quality of the games. You know, but on the flip side, while Qatar did have 
fantastic entertainment value. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you mentioned, the scheduling wreaked havoc on the European leagues. Uh, you had players getting injured because the World Cup was smack in the middle of the European season. Uh, the heat again, yes, it, it was a major concern. And we will see all all this again in Saudi Arabia. La. So, uh, I don't know. It, it, it makes you wonder what, what FIFA is thinking. Money. When, well, yeah. Money. And, and, the, and in fact, the Australian uh, uh, contingent actually alluded to this as well. You know, they said that they just cannot afford to go up mm. against a Saudi bid, you know. So, mm. yeah, why bother? They, they've got other tournaments to focus on. Mm. Uh, it's like the, what they see in Battlestar Galactica. All this has happened before and it'll happen again. Nerd alert. Uh, over in the Carabao Cup, EFL Cup, or whatever the frack cup it's called now, uh, defending champions Manchester United were knocked out <laughs> after losing 3-0 to Newcastle in the last 16. <laughs> um, for Nick's comments, just rewind back to a few minutes ago. West Ham upset Arsenal 3-1. Um I'm guessing they're not going to be crying too many tears over this result. Yeah, it, it's... It's the League Cup. It's the League Cup, yeah. But, but tell, <laughs> tell that to United last season. You know, <laughs> no, it's, we, we are taking this seriously. Uh, another team who are taking this seriously, Chelsea is the, pretty much the only thing they've got. <laughs> Good, yeah, they got the a only possible. Winning. Um, they beat Blackburn 2-0. Also, Liverpool had a 2-1 victory over Bournemouth. Another development this weekend was confirmation that VAR conversations uh, during matches will not be broadcast live. Uh, This was the decision of the International Football Association Board. Uh, For those not in the know, this is the shadowy global organization that makes the rules for football. And it is not a part of FIFA. So... What a great way to ensure transparency, eh? Nothing is broadcast. Well, okay, look, we recently just had the Rugby World Cup, right? Mm. And and rugby is one of those sports with very transparent use of the video referee system. Mm. And for all intents and purposes, the setup is very similar to football's VAR. You know, you've got three officials in the bunker communicating with the ref on the pitch. Mm. And it works. Mm. You know, we, the viewers at home and and for some, you know, in the stadiums that, that have the big screen and all that, you can clearly see and hear what's happening. And we know what's going on. Mm. And we get to see clearly well, clearly why a certain uh, decision is made, mm. which is something that football urgently needs. Mm. And I'm sure you'll agree with that. Now, if the broadcast works for sports like rugby and even hockey, I don't see why it, it can't work with football. You know what? I think it's a class issue. How so? No, no, okay, seriously. Uh, because, you know, the stereotypical football fan, mm-hmm. working class yobs, right? Violent and all of that. And stereotypically, the people who watch rugby are more middle class, supposedly more refined, right? And okay, and, and get this, the, um, it all boils down to the reason that IFAB uh, decided not to broadcast all of this. Mm-hmm. They said, one, it would lead to chaos on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Two, it could put VAR officials' lives at risk. <laughs> so that is the assumption going on there, man. Um, they're afraid that that these no uh, working class, violent, uncouth people are going to target refs once they find out how incompetent they really are. Well, okay, but here's the thing, right? The VAR system is supposed to work. It's supposed to be an an evidence based 
mm-hmm. system like you make your decision whether it was a foul or not red card or not penalty well, or not well, based yeah. based on what you are actually seeing on the screen you yeah, see it, so it, 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 It is evidence based. I mm. agree with that, right? Like in the Liverpool game, there was clear evidence that the referees were incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And and the the problem with that with the Liverpool uh, game was not so much what we were seeing on screen. It was the miscommunication between mm. the ref and the VAR official. This this reasoning by IFAB, I I think is. It's quite an insult to football fans. Mm-hmm. I know to to assume that oh we you know we won't understand what's going on, we'll get confused and all that because it's very clear that this works in other sports. Mm-hmm. And you, and look, football fans these days if you're going to be a football fan it's not football fans are very are we, okay, not very but we're getting more and more educated about the game. Mm-hmm. We don't just follow blindly mm. we know what's happening we know about the clubs about the rules of the game and all that so th- there's really i i really don't see a reason why this system cannot work especially when it's already proven it it, it works in other sports right. and that's mm. that's another problem with football how long did it take them to to even introduce vr in the first place mm. right it, it, it's just football and and ifab and even fifa they're just organizations that refuse to change they hold on to the old ways mm-hmm. and this is no they did very against mm-hmm. modernization remind you of anybody in malaysia <laughs> <laughs> uh finally this weekend's epl action we have another london derby this time between spurs and chelsea uh we all know what's going to happen <laughs> um Another big one is Arsenal v Newcastle. Uh, Man United travel to Fulham and Liverpool are away at Luton. Um, so three points to Fulham. <laughs> um, Arsenal versus Newcastle, though, uh, that should be interesting. Arsenal versus Newcastle is uh, going to be the one to watch. Uh, Spurs, Chelsea, currently, <laughs> oh, <come on. laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the only talking point for this one is uh, Pochettino's return to mm. Spurs. So you know, it's more. Of a sentimental thing than anything mm-hmm. else, uh, but yeah, highlight would be uh, Gunners versus uh, uh, Newcastle. Yeah, three points to Fulham. Uh, although the conversation for the next postcards will change if uh, Luton get three points against Liverpool. Well, <laughs> anyway, that's all we have for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Next podcast is whenever we're up for it, lah. We're not up for any awards this year. <laughs>